This is the Coin It Podcast, sponsored by CoinCosmo.com. Have fun like a collector, think like an investor. Whether you're just a hobbyist or looking for an alternative investment with rare coins, paper money, NFTs, or art, your host, Charles Jonath, is covering it all. Now your host, Charles Jonath. All right, so we're here with Jeffrey from uh, Premier Rare Coin down in Palm Beach, Florida. Well-established dealer down there, very active. I, I've been following you guys on Instagram, obviously. Um, so tell us a little bit. Well, first of all, I wanted to start out because you guys were just recently at the Central States, right? Yeah, in Chicago. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce that place. Scum, Schumburg, Schumburg, Illinois. Oh, yeah, Schomburg. Um, Schomburg, yeah. So it's in the middle yeah. of nowhere in Chicago. But uh, right. the Renaissance <laughs> Hotel that they do it at, it was pretty funny. I posted a picture. One of their main advertisements for the central states over the ANA is you don't have to worry about mobs, street mobs, to be specific. Right. Um, <laughs> Because it, I don't know if you've ever been to a, the ANA or whatnot, but usually you stay in O'Hare um, and then you have to right. travel across a few streets to get into the, the Stefan um, Convention Center, Correct, which yeah. in the Central Stage show, um, they have it at the Renaissance Hotel. So everything's in one. So, you, I mean, you kind of we just landed like literally on on Thursday, we landed in the morning at nine o'clock and with our baggage and everything, we literally just put our suitcases in the safe really? um, and went straight to the hotel and then at the end of the night checked into our room, which happened to be the same place. So um, I will say it makes it convenient, but yeah. uh, you do miss out on a little bit of Chicago. We didn't get to visit the bean or anything downtown. Yeah, that's, it does. It, it's hard to do that when you're working and you're there all day, but the convenience of that is really nice though. I think whenever you're going to a show and you're talking, you're handling coins and stuff like that, I always get, I, I feel like it's more of a seamless process when you're just yeah. like in one place. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I will say, like, luckily, I'm a bigger guy um, and a little bit younger. So, like, I'm I'm not much of a target um, as some of the other coin dealers may be. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of thefts recently at shows and after shows. Right. Um, you know, and I was dealing with a lot of not even dealers, but coin collectors that were saying that they've been robbed at the Central State Show. Yeah. Because they stayed yeah. across the street. Um, and would, you know, they would leave after the show and whatnot. And, and someone would just, you know, hey give me your watch, your wallet and whatever's in your hand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th that stuff doesn't happen if you don't leave the hotel. Right. Um, at least you hope it doesn't happen inside. The yeah. Hotel. So I mean, usually it doesn't, if you're, you're just aware of that stuff and you stay all in one place and then I don't know about you guys, but when we do them or whatever, we ship out all the inventory. So once I'm yeah. leaving, I'm not like handling anything. Yeah, that works. Um, I, I haven't done that yet. Um, I know, you know, obviously there's many different methods, but I really just, you know, I take a buddy or two with me and we try to fit all the most expensive stuff and like a carry on or something that way it Smart, honestly yeah. <laughs> never, never leaves our side. Um, and then, yeah, uh, yeah. we'll probably put more of the bulk stuff and like the, the, the setup and stuff and like big old carry ons and stuff like that. So, Smart, um, it's not yeah. too, too bad. Right. Right. So how was it? How did it go? I mean, honestly, it was fantastic. Um, really? Honestly, we missed dealer day on Wednesday, which, I mean, we had a bunch of friends there that were sending us pictures of our booth and stuff like that, and it was just fantastic. Um, but honestly, from start to finish, um, obviously, we have a more specialized inventory, mm -hmm. considering we deal in a lot of, like, uh, you know, shipwreck stuff, modern stuff and stuff like that. Um, it's not your everyday merchandise. Right. Um, but 
we've built such a, a an established name and stuff like that, that that people know where to go. I mean, we were right across from PCGS. Um, they had their uh, their grading specialist that was literally right next to us, which was pretty cool. So um, it, it did bring over a lot of traffic. We did do very well at the show um, and, and moved a lot of inventory and bought a lot of inventory as well, um, which is always a plus. That's great. That's great. Yeah, for so the first you, time going to the Central State Show, I definitely am going to say I'll be back. That's really cool. Very cool, man. No, I'm glad to hear it. It traditionally was a very good show. I mean, it has been, and then it seemed like it took a dip for a period, but I think that show's coming back. I think it's going to be one of the main ones. Yeah, I mean, they, um, you know, they haven't had a show in, I guess, like two or three years because of COVID. So, right. um, you know, all the shows right now are, are breaking records. I mean, the, the summer or the winter fun show that was in January this year was, I mean, record breaking for like pretty, practically every dealer I know. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess you would say that's a great sign. You know, people are excited yeah. to get back to shows. They're excited to get out. And this is my first show where we didn't have to wear a mask or no restrictions on that. So that was pretty interesting as well. As you can see with a, with a big beard, um, <laughs> you got some protection there. <laughs> a, yeah. With, with a mask is, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable tough, yeah, to say the least. No, I hear you. So, I, it, it's cool. I'm glad things are starting to get back and people are getting out a bit and, I, I think you're right. I think everyone is just ready to was cooped up and want to go to shows, want to see new inventory. You know, if it, if it's not up for auction, then you can't find it basically. It, or if, if people don't have retail sites where you could purchase, you know, it becomes hard. So, and they want to find like little gems. I think there's a bit of, there's always a bit of um, excitement when you go to a show and you find something cool. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, though, a lot of people forget that, you know, a, a vast majority of these shops um, uh, or, or dealers at shows have been around for a long time. They have brick and mortar shops. So, you know, those are usually the places that you can go to to figure out, like, what has the population brought into them recently. Right. Um, and you always get a lot of those boosts where this just came in. I haven't had a chance to look over everything or send anything off and degraded. Take a look right. and tell me what you think. So um, and, yeah. and those are usually the best opportunities that I find. And, and that's why I love going to shows. I mean, originally, I would say the first, you know, almost four to five years um, of being in the business, I never had a booth at a show. Um, I would just go and walk around the shows, go to table to table, introduce myself to whoever's there, you know, find the booths that have a lot of the general inventory that I like and give them my card, explain to them who I am. Um, and Hey, this is what I'm looking for. And this is the right. price range that I look for it in. If you guys come across it at any point in time, skip the show and call me immediately. Um, and I think just doing good business like that over the last decade has really helped us to get to where we are today. Yeah. That, that's interesting. You say that. Cause I think that's a really good point. Like, especially if you specialize in something, you have a specific clientele for that type of coinage. So as a, if another dealer comes across that and that's not where his customers are, I mean, it's very, it, it becomes very easy. Now you opened up a whole new channel to do business with someone else who has that, that sort of clientele. You know, Absolutely. So. And, and you never really know. I mean, again, most of the time when you go, like, luckily for us, we're Florida based. So the fun show is a local show for us. It's right. a two and a half hour drive. Um, so that was the first show we went to a lot and, and really dedicated our time and effort to. Um, and I mean, the, the, the summer show that's coming up in like a month isn't that big. It's, it's about the same size as Central States. But the winter show is huge. I think it's one of like top five coin shows for oh, dealer yeah. purposes in the state in, in the United States. It's probably um, the biggest you know, now, the the winter fun. Yeah, I would say between that one and probably the ANA. 
um, those two would probably be the top two. A and A definitely, from my understanding, surpasses um, by a little bit. But I think it's like yeah. eighteen hundred fun and like twenty something hundred A and A. So um, they're they're respectively similar. Um, but what I love about the fun show is is you get a lot more overseas people. You get a lot more um, out of the states people just because it's easy to travel to Orlando. Right. Um, you know, it's easy to get there, um, and you get a lot of that aspect. So if you are a world coin dealer, um, you know, if you like that kind of stuff. Um, you get a lot more people that bring, again, dealers that have brick and mortars that, you know, have their own business that are just bringing a snapshot of their inventory from whatever country or state that they're from and bringing them in. You know, that's why it's so good. And from my perspective, I mean, if you look at like East Coast versus West Coast, you'll see, you know, East Coast has a lot more, you know, world coins, shipwreck and specialty items like that. Well, if you go over to like um, the West Coast, you find a lot more like territorials, nuggets, um, and more memorabilia, Correct. Um, yeah. uh, so to say. So you have your markets, you, ha- you have your places. So that's why it's sometimes good to, to, to cross uh, um, and go through. I mean, some of the major shows that we go to um, and have representation at would be, you know, Fun Show, Baltimore, ANA, now Central States, mm-hmm. um, and Long Beach. Yeah. Um, you know, those are really the big ones that we, we try to make it to every year. How is that doing Long Beach for you guys coming out from the, the East Coast? Um, I mean, it's a long flight, especially, again, me, I'm a big dude. So getting on yeah. planes and flying all the way out there um, and then you know, having to get to Long Beach. But I would say overall, they do about three of them, I believe, a year. Uh, we try to get to about two of them. Um, and, uh, they do pretty well. I would say those are more buying opportunities for us and selling opportunities since there's not a large, uh, collecting population of like cobs or world coins, like I was saying before right. on, on the West coast. Um, yeah, that's a lot of big buyers, um, but just not in that industry for the most part. Correct. So the, that's, you seem to specialize in that sort of stuff, like the, the old Spanish gold pioneers, cobs and stuff like that. I mean, are, are you guys like, a, I know, is that, that seems to be a thing in Florida. Cause I know the Sedwick is there, right. And he, yeah, well, they're in Orlando, of, uh, Daniel Sedwick and them. Um, so they're a little bit, again, they're about two and a half hours North of us. But, uh, I mean, I started in this industry, my original business cards said we specialize in pre 1933 gold. I mean, double Eagles are still to this day, my favorite coin on the planet. Right. I have like a whole work up on them on, on why you can get a double Eagle for cheaper than silver. Um, which blows people's minds a lot of time because they've never actually done the math. When you assess um, the but, numbers, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. B- buying, right. A du- buying a monster box versus spending the same amount of money buying double Eagles. It's crazy. You know, you can get a hundred year old certified gold coin in mid state um, and spend about half the premium. Yeah. Which is insane. Crazy. Cons- yeah. Considering on an $18,000 deal, buying double Eagles, you're looking at around like 31, $3,200 premium. Especially now. I mean, the, yeah. the premiums are crazy on bullion. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's even worse now. Um, you know, when you're looking at, you know, for example, I have it written down here, uh, a monster box is around $6,400 premium. While the same amount of money spent on eight double eagles about thirty one sixty in premium. Wow. So I mean, you're looking at over double the premium to buy a modern monster box today versus buying with the same money eight double eagles. And you know, I tell a lot of my customers, again, I'm a big guy. I can't carry that many monster boxes. That's right. Um, you know, versus I can easily walk out the door with uh, you know, eight ounces of gold. Isn't that um, fascinating? And- you could go anywhere in the world with those coins and then just call up the auction house and you're you're home free. 
Absolutely. You know, so, you know, I, I personally, those, those, that's the number one coin I go to. Um, you know, that's one of my favorite coins. I personally collect them. It's what we sell the most of. Um, but getting back to your question, you know, we just kind of fell into the shipwreck stuff um, because our old office was on the island in North Palm, which mm-hmm. is one of the biggest marinas for the boat. So you get a lot of the yachties and stuff that are in town that go scuba diving a lot. And it just so happened that we're on the treasure coast. So like right. usually you'd get people coming into your office like, hey, is this Nick? worth any money i saw a buffalo with an extra leg while we had people coming into our office going hey i just found this at the beach or hey i'm 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 in town for a little bit my boat's docked here i'm looking for some type of shipwreck so we just started getting so many local customers asking us for this material or bringing the material in yeah um that you know we just started looking for it um and and now we've built up such a, a a large distribution um, you know, we supply a lot of the keys, St. Augustine, um, and a lot of the shipwreck coins, um, or we have people that buy them from us, um, and or distribute them through there through a network. So, um, who, so you know, exactly, I'm always a buyer. Who exactly are the collectors of that stuff? Are they here in the U.S. or are they abroad? So, believe it or not, most of my collectors of that stuff is local. Um, and again, that's why we fell into it. Um, you know, most of my customers, you know, they, they literally, I call them and they, they, they race to my office to come and check it out. Oh, it's my okay. friends, it's my family. I mean, I don't know someone, at least from my perspective, if you're born and raised in Florida, I don't know anyone that doesn't already have some type of Cobb necklace or hasn't always wanted one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it's probably a Florida thing. Um, again, being, you know, this close to the beach being that it is our history for shipwrecks. They call this the treasure coast, right. Yeah. For a reason. Um, you know, so it's just insane. Like how much like history, um, and culture is, is right around here because I mean, Definitely. at the end of the day, uh, Cuba was ideally the, the last pit stop, um, you know, before leaving back to the mainland or any of, you know, the Bahama islands or any of that stuff. So, you know, just getting unlucky and getting hit by a hurricane, um, you know, sank some of the most famous shipwrecks that we know of today. That's, I, you know, it's very interesting. And there's a, there's a lot of things working there with that stuff. Not only a big local collection of it. I think it's part of, part of the lore probably being in Florida and just close to that history there. And then people finding stuff too, obviously like a little, little treasure here and there over the years and people hearing the stories about it, but also like Sedwick, you know, they, they did a lot of research on this stuff. They published a lot of, you know, quality research and books and then building up the, building up the demand for it. It it adds to that over, over time. And now it seems like there's a well-established collector base for that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and what really helps out is, is that, you know, a lot of people, when they originally got this stuff, you know, you always hear the story, you know, oh yeah, I'm Mel Fisher, one of the guys, they pulled up in like old Chrysler or, you know, Cadillac and opened up the trunk and, you know, they had a million dollars of the stuff there and you just kind of bought what you wanted, you know, just barely above spot. Um, right. And most of those people immediately put it into jewelry. So, you know, a vast majority of the historical stuff that even exists is hold or, you know, been bezeled or been cleaned. So there's, you know, for example, Lima Mint Ada Scudos, there's like less than 2,000 of them certified, according to NGC and PCGS, like in existence. And that's from like 1640s to like 1850s. So a 200-year time period of every gold cob. Uh, in a one ounce form or Ada Scuda that was ever produced by the Lima Mint. There's only 2,000 of them today in every grade, every condition, every date, every Mint Mark period um, that's certified. So when you start to put that into perspective, I mean, there's like 
like like tens of thousands, 1904, um, and 60, 61, like, you know, it's remarkable. So when you're talking that the entire collection is less than 2000, you know, one ounce gold coins, uh, for that particular mint, you're, you know, you start looking at, um, you know, very low populations, um, and and very scarce coins. So I think that's really come to market. I mean, if you look at world coins, shipwreck coins, cobs and stuff like that, uh, it's been a long time where I've made a bid less than estimate um, in practically any auction uh, when it comes to these types of coins. You you feel like the market the market seems to be picking up, right? It's uh... oh, it, it's skyrocketing. I mean, like yeah. I said, uh, let me this way: when I went to the Central State Show, I bought the only Ada Scudo under thirty thousand dollars that was there. Right. And, and that's abnormal. Usually I'm able to find a handful here and there, um, even if they're, you know, polished or, or been in jewelry, I'm able to find something. Um, I was only able to find one. Um, everyone else was asking, you know, I wouldn't say outrageous prices, but what the market is bringing. Right. Um, you know, I was, I was joking with uh, our GM the other day because um, we were going through heritage and we were looking at like, you know, you know, just you know, Hey, we could use some more inventory. So what we like to do is go on to, you know, all the other old coins we used to bid on and stuff like that. Cause heritage allows you to make offers to people. Sometimes you get them. Most of the time you don't. Sure. Um, uh, uh, but we were going on there and we're like, man, how arrogant was I? Because I bid 3,500 max and I lost it at 3750. <laughs> um, you know, for a coin I'd pay $10,000 for today. And that right. was two years ago. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, I would say when it comes to particular like gold escudos, gold cobs, they've almost doubled, if not tripled in value over the last two to three years. Uh, um, yeah, man. I mean, especially something that scale, you know? The, the problem is, is, and I wouldn't say problem, the, the most of the time what I usually see is that you find a sector of coins that hasn't been certified yet. Um, and what happens is, is a lot of people start selling them the ones that are certified for a gross amount of money, they start going into auctions and stuff like that. And then you usually start seeing a flood of coins that like, Oh, I have a coin like that. Let me go get it graded. Let me see what I got. Um, and then sometimes you'll see the market dip a little bit because there's so many more coins coming to population. And then all of a sudden you see that submission stop. Mm. Um, and then you just see like an assessment of the market and then everything skyrockets. No, it's funny um, you mentioned that. I thought about that quite a bit and I'm curious to see what you think about this. I, I, I think it might have to do, do you think that has something to do with the inefficiencies in the grading process for that type of coin? Like they haven't done it right yet or they haven't figured out a, a clear grading method. Um, what do you mean by grading inefficiencies? So like when you're, when you're looking at like cobs and stuff like that, like how, how do they really look at grading? Like, cause a lot of them have been underwater. They've been treated, you know, there's, there's things that have come over, over the so many years of this stuff and the, the way they were shaped and a lot of them put in jewelry. I mean, is there really a clear grading criteria? Yeah, that- so there is. I mean, I, I would say NGC is definitely uh, the world leader in world coins, at least. Um, right. I think they just broke like the world record for the most amount of coins certified, different coins or something mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, you definitely have your pros and your cons, right? You know, if I have like a really high end uh, US coin, I probably send it over to PCGS. Um, if I have a high end you know, world coin or shipwreck, I'm most likely going to send it over to NGC. Um, but, uh, you know, I, so far, you know, I think they're very good on it. Like if you have like an Atosha coin with an original Mel Fisher tag, like NGC won't even practically grade them anymore. Um, because of the amount of like fakes that exist out there, the amount of, you know, uh, real Atosha silver, which is pretty much just a dinged up, 
like cup or plate that they had melted down. They had rescanned some of the dyes that were on the ship or some old coins, and they're remaking modern restrikes with authentic Atosha silver. Uh, so the problem is, is you know, you have a lot of that stuff that exists. I mean, yeah. uh, eBay just did a large scrape for practically anyone that had raw material that claimed shipwreck were practically wiped off of eBay. Because they they found it was such a fraudulent error of how many people were selling fake coins. It was just it was just right. ridiculous. Hence why we get ninety nine percent of all of our coins graded. Like even if I get it in a bezel, I'll pop it out of the bezel, send it into NGC or PCGS, get it back, put it in the bezel, and and then and then you know sell you the photo authentication with it, um, either the TrueView or NGC style, um, which we've I'm... seen it does bring a, a slight premium above. Um, but the the interesting part about it is is like. Um, how would you say like, like, like salt corrodes, uh, chrome, um, the salt water does that to silver, but not really to gold. So from yeah. my understanding, most silver coins that have salt water damage, let's just say in a thousand years, will turn into dust. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that doesn't happen to gold coins. So they're capable of giving straight grades and stuff like that. Now, if there is damage, they'll get saltwater damage. Um, if there's edge filing or X jewelry and stuff like that, it, it'll get that. So getting a straight grade mm-hmm. is almost impossible on a shipwreck from silver. So if you find right. one, that's usually valuable. Yeah. While it's it's more common for gold coins. Um I see that they're getting, you know, uh, you know, very stringent on, you know, requiring an abundance amount of documents to be able to get in a certification for shipwreck. So um, I've had no loss in faith when it comes to the process because I mean, it, it's, it's rigorous. I can tell you that much. That's great. Um, That's very uh, good news. Yeah. Um, but I would say the only problem that I see um, is the resubmissions, but I mean, that's a problem across the board Yeah. Um, I mean, because PCGS and UC don't really communicate. Um, so if I were to look at the 2000 or less Lima mint uh, 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 coins um, uh, in, in the eight escudos in NGC, for example, how many of those are resubmissions, right? How many of those were, I had an AU 58. I thought it was a little bit better. I sent it back in for a 63 or a 62, right? And, and that 58 was never taken out. Right. right or, or vice versa. I sent it over to PCGS because that's what a lot of people will do now. They'll, they'll get a world coin. That's a high grade or tied for a high grade in NGC. They'll bring it over to PCGS, get yeah. the same crossover grade, but now it's not tied in, right? It's only that's one thing, known in yeah. PCGS if you don't, or a top pop. So you gotta be smart looking at both of them. Right. If you don't, if they're not updating the population reports, it's very hard to tell. I mean, and, and that's a problem with a lot of coins right now. I think there, especially a lot of high end coins where like you have a lot of like OGHs, right. Or like fatty holders and stuff like that. Um, you know, you see a lot of people resubmitting those for higher grades, um, and other, you know, in, in other housings and whatnot. Um, you know, so what is happening with those? Are they being taken out? Are they on? And I usually say that that's not a bad thing for the coin market because at the end of the day, um, you know, when that is corrected or when that is fixed, right? It can only lower the populations of certain coins, making those coins, if you have them more valuable, right? Does it stink exactly. right now? Sure. But I haven't met anyone that could come up with a realistic solution that would work. Um, yeah. you know, we'd have to practically get every coin regraded. <laughs> no, I know it. You know, and they probably will. I mean, I'm hoping so at least that that would be interesting to see what the numbers really truly are, because you're right. A lot of those, Coins got cracked out of old green holders, especially the original, yeah. the original PCGS ones, the Rattlers. Now, oh, yeah. I mean, Rattlers are becoming a thing to where they're just having the Rattler holder is becoming rare. So, well, yeah, I know people that pay premiums for Rattlers and GC fatties and 100%. even old, 
old, old annex holders. Um, right. you know, they, they bring a, a high, I had an annex holder and a shipwreck coin that I sold at the central state show. And the guy's like looking at me, he's like, dude, this thing's cracked. Like, do I get a discount on this? I'm like, no, like, it, like to be honest with you, <laughs> or if I, if I could have given a better, like I, if it wasn't in an old school annex holder, I would have taken it out and sent it into NGC or PCGS. But because this holder brings right. value, I yeah. just want to pop it out. Right, right, um, exactly. You know, so, um, you know, it's interesting within that as well. I've seen, uh, you know, a, a lot of that recently, yeah. um, which is cool. But like you said, like what happens if they resubmit the same coin five times because they're looking for a better grade or, you know, a star or proof like or some type of designation. So, you know, what happens to all those grades? What happens to that population and stuff like that? So, right. So let me ask you, so if someone wanted to build like a really good collection of, of shipwreck stuff and cobs and that kind of thing, how would you approach it if you're starting from, from the scratch, let's say? Um, I mean, obviously it depends on budget. Um, so if you're saying like, I just got into this world, um, uh, you know, what do I want? Um, I tell most people to, to, to stick to the, the gold if you can, while you're starting out. Like, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of silver coins that carry a lot of value, that bring a lot of value, um, but there's a, a large abundance of uh, um, a real cobs that exist. Um, but I can tell you right now that there's also a large variety that go for a ton of money. Well, the the gold escudos and a lot of the gold coins, um, uh, the populations are so low. I mean, if you get a gold coin with a full date on it, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I mean, um, you know, there's and obviously the smaller in denomination you get, uh, the more expensive they become in dates. So, um, you know, if you're out there, if you're going to the shows, if you're doing those things, you know, keep an eye out for that. Um, you know, look for those kind of things. Um, uh, you know, silver coins are obviously a little bit cheaper. Um, but again, it comes back to that premium. You're going to pay a lot more premium for a silver cob than you are a gold cob. Right. Um, uh, you know, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, so it, it depends where you want to be and where you want to go. But then again, you know, a silver Atosha goes anywhere between 2,400 to 3,000, you know, to $5,000 while the 121 gold coins they found the last one went for 90 something thousand dollars for like a one escudo that wasn't even that exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, so, it, you know, it, 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 it's so specialized that the coolest thing about getting into this market and the world coin market is, is that there are so many niches within this one niche. Well, yeah, um, that's that what I was going to say. You can, re- you can specialize in other world wrecks, right? South Africa wrecks, you know, uh, you know, here you can specialize in uh, South America versus like Spain. Um, uh, and then obviously uh, the varieties that go through there. Um, I know some collectors that make an entire living on just buying counter stamps. Mm-hmm. Um, which are super right. cool because they tell an amazing story. So now what about the coinage that didn't get shipwrecked essentially the same type of coins, but somehow they made it back to Spain or whatever. And like, uh, how, how is that? How does that work? Is there, is there a difference? Is, is there premium basically with some of the more well-known shipwrecks versus the ones that made it out or is it vice versa? Yeah. So rule of thumb, I would say every coin you see that has a shipwreck pedigree you can almost double. Right. If I got okay. the crappiest, like you can't even tell where it's from. Right. I can, I can, I can just barely see a little bit on each side. Like I buy those in bags for $75 to $125 a piece. Right. Right. That same coin in a shipwreck is minimum two, 300 bucks. 
right? So almost every coin practically doubles with a shipwreck pedigree to it. Um, And then when you start tying it to like, you know, the Wyndham with the black Samurai, right? Um, You know, for example, that's a eight real that, you know, I'm currently bidding on over 10 K on, you know, you get to 17, 15 fleet gold, uh, Atosha silver or gold. Then, you know, the, the, the more famous the pedigree is, right? Who owned it? Was it in a book? Was it, you know, original taller coin? Um, you know, so the, the far back you can trace the history of who owned it, where'd it come from, who found it, et cetera. Um, the, the more magnitudes it increases in yeah. price. So pedigree is a big thing there. It, it is yeah. everything. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably across the board, but yeah, that's, yeah. it's interesting to know. Cause I, I, you know, my specialty is more in, in us, like early American, us type stuff but um very interesting like so one thing another thing actually i wanted to know with this stuff is there is there one like mint that everyone goes for like i know you mentioned uh peru but yeah um i mean obviously seville is the motherland but uh if i had to pick one mint that i find that has a lot of the really pretty coins that i like most and that i kind of i guess my wish list coin. So the coin that I have where if it comes out in any auction, I'm immediately notified is this, you know, Signovia mint. Um, you know, they made some just really beautiful coins. Um, there's a lot of history there with a lot of like princesses and Queens getting inaugurated or, uh, you know, married there. Um, there's a lot of historical significance to that area, um, uh, and, and to that mint. Um, but really it just depends where you're coming from. So, um, you know, if you're looking at South America, practically anything from Colombia um, is more rare um, and, and and vice versa. So, um, again, it depends, you know, what time period, what they were making, um, you know, what comes out of there that brings a certain premium. Um, but I, I, I personally um, would put a small significance um, on the Signovia Mint coins. Interesting. So with that type of stuff, you see like the collectors of it, like if they're from a particular country or region, then they tend to focus on that more so, or is it just Um, all over the place? Um, That's the cool point about shipwrecks and cobs and stuff like that, because right when you look at a U.S. coin, right, for example, if you you bring out like a common date Morgan or double eagle or any of them, they Mm -hmm. all practically look the same. Yeah. Right. From, 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 from FX to mint state, like, they just look a little prettier, right? A little shinier. But with cobs, um, you know, they were they were hammer stamped by 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 usually slaves um, during the time period before they were milled. So they were just like, hey, we're going to produce as many of these as possible. They didn't really put two and two together or some art skills. So you get so many coins that are, you know, off like the same coin where like one of them's, you know, uh, stamped the the crosses halfway off the coin. Um, and, and another one where it's centered, but it, it's the same coin at the same grade. Right. Right. Um, so w- what really comes to the Cobb coins is really just, you know, if you're looking at a thousand of them, which one are you pointing at? Right. And that's really where their collection starts to go. You know, what do they like? You know, what do they grow up watching? What do they grow up doing? Um, and, and that's what's really cool. And that's why, you know, we kind of specialize in territorials and shipwrecks because they really go hand in hand with history, you know, um, and they're just super cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique uh, niche within the history of numismatics, the history of money in a broader sense. 
Yeah. I mean, that's why I love like the territorials. Um, You know, we did a lot of California fractional territorials um, and the small denominational money in the U S which a lot of you don't even realize that there was, you know, quarters, half dollars um, and dollars, right. Which, I mean, the U S made dollars when we made the largest denominational coin, we made the smallest denominational one as well, the twenties and the ones and and in the 1850s. Um, but there was actually smaller coins than the $1. Um, and that were, they were made to make trade more fairly. Um, they made them all the way through, you know, like the Mormons, um, all the way through to California. Um, they were making small denominational gold wherever they could find it. You know, they'd give it to jewelers to refine and, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of cool stories in that. Yeah, definitely. And then especially how it transitioned to, to being officially, they went from uh, small private minters to the actual government, you know, taking over and well, yeah. eventually opening up mints. Yeah, because if you look in the Red Book, it actually, I believe it was 1870, something, 1872, I want to say. Um, but that's when they put in the, the National Coin Act, where like it was illegal to do all of mm-hmm. this. And you'll see the territorials, they started making like Washington style coins um, until they realized there was no way in the world the Secret Service was, was going to prevent any of this, which I was reading something the other day. And, and that's why I think it was what Abraham Lincoln is the one that established the Secret Service right before he was assassinated. And he did it to fight counter money. Right. <laughs> Which, which is funny um, because what is a secret service person going to do all the way over in San Francisco in the wild, wild West, right? Right. Like th- they can't even get money out there, let alone telling people what they're already using as money. They're not allowed to use it. Yeah. Anymore. But is it, look, um, it's a serious thing messing with the monetary system, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you look around it though, and it's like, and you start reading into the history in the beginning, secret servicemen started disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the people making the territorial started disappearing. I think like half of them got hit by a taxi or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> at some point you start seeing a trend. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Well, it's a, it's a big thing to be able to control the the money supply and the monetary supply. So, and then, you know, as, as these territories became States, it just, you know, that's a, it was what eventually just happened. I mean, yeah, it's just so difficult to control. I mean, there's so many people over such vast amounts of land, um, right. you know, and everything was just so fresh, so new. I mean, they didn't even really have roads back then going from one end to the next. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Transportation stuff. Yeah, I mean, by the time someone ratted on somebody in San Francisco, it took a few months for that note to get to, yeah. <laughs> to be addressed. And then a few more months, like like the, the time period was completely different by the time the Secret Service made their way out there looking for whoever it was that was doing this. Exactly. So, I mean, in reality, you're only like hitting established businesses of people that were doing this for many, many years. They have a brick and mortar. You know, most of them were jewelers. Yeah, so, that's you know, true. It, it was just, I'm a guy with a talent. You know, you know, I can refine your gold dust that you were just paid in and turn it into small denominational gold so you can spend more, 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 more right. fairly. So it's funny how that um, wound up too. And then some became more respected than others because they, you know, a lot of people, they, they would short you on the gold. They, oh yeah. <laughs> they make they make fake ones and stuff like that. And if you go yeah. to the BG book, you, you really find a lot of them, which actually sell for a lot more money now. Um, the counterfeits, but, uh, you know, like Robert Gray and a few of those guys, um, you know, they were the more, you know, uh, stable in stature, you know, they made a lot of pieces, um, uh, and they're very, very well known for, for doing so. Uh, we used to make a joke back in the day that, uh, uh, could anyone guess what the best and highest paying job was back in this time period? And we'd always used to say it was the giants because they had the big pinchers, right? So before small denominational gold, I'd be like, Oh, it's a pinch of gold dust for, the meal and, and drinks tonight. Well, the dude with the biggest, 
pointer finger and thumb would ideally grab the most gold on their finger. So, you know, obviously it's a joke, um, but uh, it gives a real insight into the time period of why small denominational coins were made because you literally got paid in the gold dust that you sifted for the day previously. Yeah. Um, You know, so what do you do with that? And then the fact that like they didn't have Priuses or, or, or common roads, like you went in, you dropped your gold dust off. He gave you like a leather pouch with all your coins in it. So, That's you know, it. how do we have one today in proof like condition or 66, 67, 68? To me, that's just my amazing, right? You know, yeah. to have a coin that was minted to be immediately traded and used that would, you know, be, been put in their pocket. Like, I couldn't go to the bank today and get brand new quarters, put them in my pocket, drive home, take them out of my pocket, and send them in to get graded and expect grades that high. It's amazing right. they exist even, I'm telling you. Exactly. Just, so yeah. something 170 years later. And then and then again, you timestamp that and think, oh, what about something 200 years before that? Right. Right. I have like I have like a milled coin from Spain right now. It's like from 1746. That has a min state 66 trade. <laughs> and there's still like five coins graded higher than that. So I'm just like, <laughs> like it's amazing. H- how does, like how? Like I can't even hold on to something for like a couple of days. Uh, you know, well, the value, the, the value should reflect it. That's the thing, like, Given the context of what that piece is and the, the the history that comes with it, and the importance of it in a grand scheme of you're talking about the history of money, I really think that coins, these rare coins in general, are undervalued tremendously, yeah. especially with well, all the support of the grading companies and stuff like that, and all the 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 way you can attribute these coins. I mean, it's just it's mind boggling to me it, still and, to this and, day. Absolutely. And that's what I think is really cool. And what a lot of people don't realize is they haven't made it outside of the U S yet when it comes to the coin world. And when you do that, you realize no one oversees grades coins, nobody it's crazy, right? It's, it's, it's practically unheard of, right? That, that's why you get a lot of the more pretty and artistic points from overseas. Cause that's really the market there. Um, but you know, with that being said, right. Um, you know, with all the grading and with all the new stuff coming out, you're getting a lot of the dealers that are good with the internet that know how to look stuff up that are young, that are ready to hustle. And those are the guys that just sit on or girls that sit on NGC and PCGS. They look through the population reports and they're like, let me find a group of coins that there's not a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Let me find something that's, that's worth looking for. That's rare. That's, you know, let me, and, and they start, finding them through the population reports and then looking for them on eBay on websites and then cross, you know, cross reference into shows. Um, and that's what really, in my opinion, starts, you know, snowballing these other markets within the coin world, um, that really you, you just start to seeing taken off and you're either in it or you miss it, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. And that, that you think they're just discovering little niches like that and they, they sort of get into it. that's yeah it's yeah, interesting pretty much i mean i know a lot of people that just sit on the population reports and they wait for a new coin to come out or you know they wait to see some because ideally like you know you can't keep track of every mint around the world oh no right i mean if you can by all means like show me how no there, um, i mean but there's a lot of those examples like take for instance look at the balkan countries right so yeah. some of those older silver pieces that are 19th century, really rare. They went through communism. I mean, they had to survive a lot. So the ones that did survive, and if they're in men's state, they go for high premiums. Yeah, yeah. they go for a lot of money. Um, and I, I think that's what people are starting to realize now. Um, you know, because I, I was joking with another, uh, uh, you know, old-time coin dealer. Um, and uh, he was like, it's hilarious because uh, – I make less money per coin, not me, the coin dealer saying I make less money per coin selling a double or a common day double Eagle than the guy next to me does selling a, a, a full steps nickel. 
right? Interesting. So it was just a joke, but like, it's true. You make 20 to $50 on a common date, you know, double Eagle while, you know, right. most of the other guys selling the Morgans, it's easy to make 10% on a, on a Morgan Carson city or, um, you know, an OGH or, you know, full steps, nickel and, and stuff like that. Like sure. asking 10% well, they're hard to find. More, that's the thing. Like, Exactly. But it's also normal while on like double eagles and stuff like that, people still consider them more of a bullion coin. So right. um, you really don't make nearly as much. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, the, those premiums on that stuff, the generic gold is like, it's shifted over time. I mean, there was times where the premiums were higher and then they sort of went back down. But what I noticed is like, once we, once we kind of went on a bull run with bullion, you know, it just squashed all the premiums of that stuff. People just want an American Eagle because it's easy. Yeah, which is it's just random to me because a proof eagle sells for like what twenty five, twenty six hundred dollars right now. So uh, um, again, when 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 you do the math from what they're selling from the U.S. Mint and what they're selling in third party markets, uh, again, it still comes out to more premium than buying a, a historical one ounce, the largest denominational gold coin the United States ever struck for circulation. Still crazy to me. Um, yeah. which is a little wild to me. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be a bullion stacker, it's not bad to. I mean, why? especially 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 now when the premiums are high like yeah okay you want to if i remember retail like on an american eagle was like 50 bucks over but now it's yep. like what 100 or something i don't even uh, know let's see I, I had it pulled up here earlier i had my my premium sheet so for example um for a gold proof eagle in box it's 525 over spot so i mean that's just insane 525 that that's that that's bid right now um wow. for a regular gold one ounce buffalo it's 78 dollars over spot for a sealed panda it's 65 dollars over spot um let's see here um yeah i mean so i mean the, the spot's not that high on one ounce gold coins not in box not in papers but yeah. when you start getting to anything else above a mint state coin this is not um, worth looking, it yeah you're looking at outrageous premiums yeah. for a coin that there's usually thousands, if not millions of them that exist in, in multiple graded years. So those, those I don't think are worth it. I mean, you're going to no, buy, um, buy gold, then buy an, okay. Buy an American Eagle random day generic, you know, exactly. Now, there fine. are, there are some rumors in the coin world that, um, you know, there's going to be new grading statistics that may or may not come out for modern coins. Um, you know, so it won't be like a one to 70 scale. It'll have a little bit, you know, cause mm -hmm. it, the mass majority of modern coins come out, you know, seventies and whatnot. So, um, you know, how do you start breaking those seventies down a little different? Um, and I think that's what we're going to start seeing coming around, um, in the future to start, um, differentiating between, um, what is a, you know, a high end CAC 70, right. And, and, and just a regular, um, you know, 70 or whatnot. So you'll probably have a different grading scale, you know, while a 70 might be 90 to a hundred. Right, right, uh, right. In, in a new grading scale, um, which which would make a difference in prices. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to affect the market, but like for it to really establish itself, it's going to take a lot of time. I mean, the, a lot of time, a hundred years. A lot of time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, yeah. right now uh, the the coin market is having a, a lot of problems. I mean, the the Perth Mint and the U.S. Mint can't even come up with enough blank blanks to to produce the coins that they want. I mean, that's the rumor why the the Morgan dollars were made this year was because they, they didn't have uh, enough dies, to make yeah. them, oh, you know, they, you know, so, I mean, they didn't have enough blanks. So, I mean, um, you know, they, they can pretty much ask the premiums that they want um, if they're selling out of coins and can't produce them fast enough. Yeah. 
Interesting. Interesting. And it goes to show you the supply too. I think like that, that's another problem with bullion is that the price could be affected without transferring physical. Yeah. And I mean, bullion market has been wild. I mean, gold's been over $1,600, what, in like the seventies and eighties and silver has been over a hundred dollars before. Um, you know, so there's lots of time periods where if you didn't invest your money into bullion throughout the years, right. If you just like bulk bought, you would have lost a substantial amount of money or made a substantial amount of money. Well, you know, in the rare coin market, um, you know, if you bought rare coins, if you bought, you know, top pops and really rare specific coins, um, as long as a whole bunch more didn't come out in population um, through hordes and stuff like that, which even hordes would get a special pedigree and sell for premium above. So it wouldn't even affect your premium. Um, you did pretty good. Right. Right. I mean, if you look at the red book from, you know, 1980 till today, um, there's practically no coin that's worth less today than it was then. Yeah. I agree. Look, yeah, if you focus, especially so, if you focus on quality, like all my clients that focused on quality and stuff like that and, and put together really good collections, they made money. They did well. They yeah. did very well. Yeah. So, you know. Um, and, they, and, 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 and you had good enjoyment out of it. Like it's yeah. something that's a hobby, but it's also an investment. You can make, you make money out of it. I mean, it's not yeah, like Yeah, and I, I tell people like Double Eagles, for example, there's like, 15 to 20 common date and mint marks, right. That you can get at very small premiums above spot. Um, you know, so, you know, if you're looking for that and you're trying to build a collection, like I think that that's super cool, you know, that you can get coins that are, you know, minted in the 1800s. They're the largest denominational coin the United States ever made. Um, uh, you, you get them for the smallest premium above spot comparatively to practically any silver coin and right. almost any other modern coin today based on premium. Um, you know, there's really not a lot of stuff that's competitive against it besides, you know, mint state golden bars. Yeah, it's true. So get them and, and uh, collect different dates, you know, have, have a bit of fun with it as you stack, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the whole point. I mean, that, that's what we specialize in. Um, and we try to convert a lot of bullion buyers to get, you know, if they're monster box buyers and stuff like that. But in yeah. reality, it's, it's really about just buying what you like, um, and doing it over a long period of time. It um, happens. It, ha- you know, like I had one bullion client, I, it, I had to, I told him every time it took about 10 times convincing him, but then since he made the transition now, that's all he wants to buy is rare. Yep. And, and usually find something that they like, like, you know, everyone has a, 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 a niche or a cross reference, um, that, that slides into the numismatic yeah. market right. that they love. It um, spikes you know, their interest. Just, exactly. Um, and, and that's pretty much every owner of every number one pedigreed collection, um, that you see on NGC or PCGS, you know, they, they bought a whole bunch of coins. They found one that really spoke to them. You know, we always joke if a coin could talk, right? What would it say? Right. <laughs> um, you know, and they found one really cool series of coins that they liked and that's what they stuck with. Right. Um, and, and most of those people are, 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 I would say the ones that I know are, are, you know, they're pretty happy, happy customers yeah. or, or, or happy purchases. It's true, man. It's true. But I uh, circling back to Cobbs actually too. I'm really happy that you guys grade everything, man, because I always tell people like you gotta, you, you know, if you're going to build a serious collection, you're going to invest money in this stuff. You got to buy certified. You got to yeah. be able to track your collection stuff like that. I mean, that's, it, that's so only, smart that you're doing it, that. Not only that though, but like the amount of fakes that exist, like it, it is honestly absurd. The amount of fake coins, like I'm talking about like real silver, real weight, like everything pings correctly. 
but it's not real. Right. Um, that come through our doors that we see in the market. I um, especially being in the cob world, I buy tons of stuff overseas. Exactly. Um, and, it's and prominent like that. with that stuff. I would imagine. You know? And I would say like, let me put it this way. Um, any major dealer in America and overseas um, that we've dealt with from buying raw coins, at least at one point in time, we bought a fake. Yeah. Right. And it was unbeknownst to them. Maybe, um, you know, either way it was rectified. I have you know, no, no bad feelings with anybody. Sure. Um, but it does happen and it does happen too much. That's why, yeah. you know, most grading companies won't grade a lot of the original fissure certificates and stuff like that, mm-hmm. unless it comes from a prominent auction, has a history line and stuff like that. And even then it's difficult. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I always tell you, especially in the world coin market, um, yeah. you know, which, you know, ancients. It, it's, it's, I mean, ancients too. Uh, I, I don't know that much about ancients, um, you know, but I know that's another huge market. Um, but I just tell people, just from Atosha, if you go to the Keys, right, mm-hmm. and you go into the, the you know, the Atosha Museum, the Mel Fisher Museum, and you go in there, 99.9% of every coin in there is fake. Wow. Every one of them, right? <laughs> They're all authentic Atosha silver. They're not an authentic coin from the time period. Right. And that so they just struck them out of the original silver. Exactly. Like, Oh, we had a goblet here. That's, that's, that's crumbled, melted right. down, restamp it today. But that is still authentic silver. Wow. What, did they, what did they do coin. with that stuff? They remade the dyes. Yeah. Well, they found dyes on a lot of these ships. So they oh. would just rescan the dyes and then reuse the original. So it's original dye with, you know, original silver from the time period, but it's not an original coin. Um, so how do you differentiate that? Do you, can you spot that or? I mean, most of the time you can, because they just look way too good. Um, you know, like for example, you're not buying a a $400 coin from Mel Fisher museum. Um, that's a grade one Atosha. That's, that's a five to $10,000 coin. Like if it's too good to be true, like understand you're not understanding something. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, you know, um, but uh, you know, that's the big problem, um, is people would go to these museums and stuff and then they post them on Instagram. Oh, these are real Latosha silver coins and they're technically not lying. Right. Um, and, and then you have that problem where, you know, someone just bought a $5,000 coin that, you know, it's authentic Atosha silver, but not an authentic Atosha coin. Um, you don't get that problem when you get them graded. Um, that it. doesn't exist. So NGC has got um, that down. They're just, yeah. And, and so is PCGS. So, I mean, the, they are, okay. I haven't seen That's that. That's good to you know. know. And, and, and for us, you know, like I said before, you know, we do it just for the photo authentication. Like I blanket will send all of them in because if there's one that I don't like, but you might have like it, it you know, I, I can't, like, I, I've seen some of the ugliest coins that are my favorite and everyone's like, that's, that's <laughs> what a do you think? Right. Yeah. right? Um, yeah, while sure. vice versa, right? right the coins right, that right. I price the lowest because I feel like they're not worth that much. People are paying the most for. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, what I find that's nice for my customers is that you can always get the premium, right? And a small extra premium by being able to give them the holder or being able to give them the original certificate yeah. stapled with the NGC or PCGS cert that comes with the photo authentication. Yeah. Right. And it just, Anytime. it just makes everyone feel happier. Right. Like I don't have just a Mel Fisher certificate with an outline of the coin. Right. I have a legitimate NGC and PCGS photo authentication of my coin that says that it is authentic to the time period and pedigree to whatever wreck. Um, you know, yeah. th- you get your money back plus some, um, for the grading fees and stuff like that. Yeah, um, oh and yeah. the clients are usually a lot happier. It's good for everybody. man. 
It's good for yeah, we even got involved. Our, I don't know if you saw, we even got our clumps graded, which no one ever <laughs> thought that was possible. But we have these like big old plastic bags that they put these clumps in. Um, and then, uh, um, and then uh, pretty much uh, you have a photo authentication that says like Cuban coin five clump something. Um, nice, and I was nice. like, oh, well, thanks. You know, that, that helps. That's good stuff, man. So what's on the horizon for you guys? What's what's going to be new for Premier Rare Coin? I mean, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, obviously the the fun show is coming up. Uh, we're considering the Baltimore show. We also have the the Greater Jackson Jacksonville show. Um, I don't know if you guys know a Penny Short, um, but we had brought him on last year, and he does a lot of the local shows for us. So we're really trying to, um, you know, reach out and 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 crawl out of our comfort zone. As I was telling you before, I was like sweating. My palms are sweating, um, you know, coming onto the podcast. Uh, you know, I've never done anything like this. Um, my Instagram, awesome. I'm happy to be here. I'm like, I'm glad I'm a yeah. part of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, thank you. I appreciate you doing this for the community. You know, if you look on my Instagram, you only see maybe like two face shot photos of me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, a guy yeah. that likes to be in front of the camera. Me neither, um, man. <laughs> That's the crazy yeah. thing. I hate it, but right? I don't know. I got pushed to do it. And now it's just, I don't know. People like it, I guess. So I've got a good response so far. Absolutely. A lot you of know, people and, reaching uh, out and it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I didn't expect it. Yeah. I mean, it, it works from both ways. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, you seem like a great commentator, right? You got a solid Joe Rogan vibe going on. Um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 I don't know and about our, that. I, I tell right? people if you're not into coins, it's it's a good, it's something to help you maybe go to sleep. You can listen to it that way. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I, I, I find that you, you get a lot of, the, well, to, I guess the better answer to that, uh, that statement is that the cool part about it is that you get so many niches yeah. um, and, and, and so many things within this niche of numismatics and coin There's collecting tons. Um, that everyone you're able to talk to is usually a successful person in some sub factor sub niche that all the information you're going to gain talking to the same coin people is different every time. No, no. Um, right. You know, and I love, I love watching them. I love seeing the people that come on them. Um, yeah. You know, I watch a lot you of the get coin different podcasts. perspectives. Exactly. And, and I mean, I don't know how many times where I've been at a show or been somewhere and, and someone said one thing or mentioned one thing um, and it made a, a, a drastic butterfly effect um, in my career in collecting. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. You, you never know what tidbit of advice will, will, will work. No. And when you're going to pursue something like this, it it's, you got to get educated, man. You, you know oh, that. Yeah. I mean, you got to know what you're doing. You got to approach this like the, and the more you're into it, the more successful you're going to be at it because you'll retain more. You'll, you'll, you'll find a niche that you're really passionate about. You'll start to specialize and, a lot of times the real like sophisticated collectors I've dealt with it, they're more knowledgeable than most of the dealers I know. Yeah. Uh, and, and it really is because I mean, honestly, unless you're like super specialized in, in one niche, um, you know, you have to kind of, you know, not spread yourself then. Um, but I mean, how much can you really do in sales in, in, in one market, right? If you just sold Morgan's, I mean, at some point in time after a hundred million dollars a year for 10 years, right? Oh, there's, yeah. there's not a lot of the top pop and finest known Morgan's that are available unless you're able to trade amongst your own collectors um, sure, to the public. Sure. But if you start, you know, releasing those coins that your collectors have to, to other dealers or other people that are not within your circle, you start to lose a little bit of that inventory over time. Um, you know, so you know, I've seen a lot of dealers, you know, it, it, their job is to find the coins that they can make money on. 
Um, you know, so, you know, that's the, the vast majority. Um, you know, so they, they don't really specialize. They don't really niche in, you know, the, most dealers are wholesale to wholesale. You know, there's not really a lot of retail quote dealers. Um, you know, especially when you go to shows, it's, it's mainly dealer to dealer. Yeah. That there is, there is still a lot of that business. That's true. Yeah. I, I, I feel I mean, like I that works in a, in a weird way because everyone's got a different collector base. I think, you know, I, I think it just works that way because other people, you know how it is. People buy yeah. deals because they need to, they want to buy the deal and there's other coins in there and maybe they don't have clients for those coins. So they'll go and they'll, they'll do this wholesale business with other dealers usually during the day of setup at a show, right? Yeah. Usually it's a yeah. setup day. And, and I, honestly, if you go into any show and you ask the guys, what's your biggest day, right? The, 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 the more established dealers that have been doing it for a long period of time, they're going to say dealer day. Right? There's, <laughs> there's no day that ever compares to dealer. And That's honestly, funny. most of the, the big time dealers that I talk to um, and, and that I meet with and stuff like that, they're there two days before. So like, so you know, if the show starts on a Wednesday, they're there on, on a Sunday, Monday, and they're all doing their inner network deals way before the show even opens. Um, you know, they have their meetings and their calls. So, I mean, you're, right. you're talking millions of dollars that is traded before the show oh, even yes. opens, let alone oh, just yes. the dealer day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just, I will say it's super cool to see like all the Instagram kids and all the younger community though, out there on dealer day, you know, hustling, you know, these, these, yeah. these kids and adults, you know, they're flying out there, right. They're getting ready. They're in line first with other people that they know are looking for the same material and they're running through these booths. It's and cool. They're, right. They're, yeah. Right. It's, it's epic. It's so yeah. cool to see such a younger generation. Um, and, um, you know, getting out there hustling and making money. Um, and, and I buy a lot from them. Um, That's you know, awesome. they know what I like I tell them they do the hard work for me. Yeah. It's funny. Know, it's great. Like, and it, I, I feel like it is, re it's always reassuring to see like new people come into the industry and I, and you get a broader perspective of that. Cause I think a lot of people who do don't know nothing about coins and they're not in the coin world. They think that, you know, the coin world is just one age demographic and that's what it, yeah. that's all it is. And it's not true. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I, I do, we just hit like 30,000 followers on Instagram and our age demographic wow. awesome. is in, is in the high thirties. Um, most of you that are buying from us, like almost every year we see our age demographic drop a couple of years. Yeah. Um, which I mean, is, is breathtaking, you know, for a community that thought we were going to die out. Um, you know, it, it seems like it's just picking up. Very cool. I think it's going to continue to grow, man. And the more, the more aware, the more we put this stuff online and because people become aware of this stuff, we're going to just see it grow. And, and as always, the good stuff gets more and more expensive. And then the, the, you know, the common stuff sort of just flounders and goes with different markets. You know, it's like there's interest and, in, you know, it's more prone to bubbles and busts, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I hate to circle back to this for the hundredth time, but you know, that's one thing I, I, I think is cool when you're looking at populations and stuff like this. Cause like, for example, common double Eagles, you know, there may be a few thousand, tens of thousands of these, but because they're so close to spot, because they exist like that, you know, it only takes a, a small percentage of bullion buyers to switch over to those coins before they start becoming scarce and unique. And, and that's really what happens in, in the market is when a certain group of, of people really start focusing on a particular coin, um, they start getting bought up yeah. and obviously everything leads back to supply and demand, um, you know, and, and, you know, for example, when I went to the central stage, show, you know, I try to find any double Eagle under 2000 at the show. Uh, I bought every one that I could find. I only found like eight. Yeah. Right. When some shows I can get like a hundred. Um, so, you know, 
really going to the shows and meeting the dealers and talking to them and, and walking around, um, you know, that was at least in the past, the only way, um, yes. to, to get a good feel of where the coin market's going. Right. Um, you know, you know, before premiums are about to skyrocket and how things are going mm-hmm. now with Instagram and Facebook, um, you know, it's bringing the world together virtually, um, which is, is, is creating unprecedented things. Yeah. Well, it accelerated during the pandemic. I mean, Oh yeah. That's kind of where Not everything true. was happening. And then you're like, wow. And then seeing more established people jump on the bandwagon and you're like, Oh, okay. This is getting serious now. Like everyone's mm-hmm. coming online. Like, yeah. It's which is surprising to see that, you know, when you go to a coin world, how many people are still not online, which is what you were saying before. Yes. Um, you know, there's a, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't fathom a, a number or a guess, but I would say a large majority, uh, probably more than 50% of the coins that are out there are not online. Right. They're not going to find them in auctions. They've never been in auctions. Um, you know, they usually find them because someone got it graded, right? And they're right. like, oh, this coin just popped up in NGC or PCGS. Like someone just sent this in to get graded. How do I find this coin? Who has it? You know, you start asking those questions. You start looking. You start, you know, bringing awareness for these products. Yeah. And, and that's it's very hard. Them. I mean, um, that's that's sort of kind of what um, made me somewhat success. You know, made me successful in a way. Is that like, I you know, knowing the collectors and stuff like that, you're able to match make stuff. Like I could, I you know, you know where all the bodies are buried essentially. But um, as exactly. as things get more online, I think more people will be, you know, more transparent about that stuff. You'll see more of a wider range of of collection of what's available. But always, as always the really good stuff, the really prime stuff just goes like that and boom, it's, then it's, yeah. then it's done. It's in someone else's collection for the next potentially 20 years. Yeah. We always make a, an off collar joke, uh, uh, amongst the coin friends, but you're, you're never going to find an amazing coin unless no one knows it's amazing. Cause right. if they have it and they know it's amazing, they already have say. a buy for it. Yeah, of course. Right? I don't know that many dealers that are like, oh, I, I just saw that coin in auction. I didn't know anything about it and I bought it, right? It's more yeah. or less like this came through the doors and I was just unaware. Uh, and I, I had to go to an auction or I had to go to a show two days later and I brought it with me. Um, uh, other than that, um, you know, most dealers have a home um, for a coin that they buy, right. right? Unless they know it's just an average coin that continues to sell. So they'll continue to keep it in stock, um, for the more common coins. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so it, it has made the world interesting, um, which is one reason why I, I love Instagram because, you know, you see all like on Facebook and all these places, you know, you have these discords and you have these specialty groups to get into and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. you know, those are nice, right? They Instagram are. is but, made for coins because it's visual. You know what I mean? It, and not only that though, but like, for example, right. Let's just say you're like, okay, like I've been in this market. Like, like for example, what's your, what's your favorite coin? Like, like if you were to pick a coin, like what would it be? Well, I love territorials. I love like uh, Kellogg and company coins. I mean, we, okay. we, we tend to focus more on that. I mean, I focus around like Pike's peak or, you know, the Clark Gruber oh, okay. series. So, so yeah. me and you come from the, the same, same the, mindset. Same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we should definitely probably have I patterns. Well, I do a lot of, in. I do a lot of, I have a lot of clients collecting patterns, you know, yeah, we just, we just sold the Mac daddy at, at the central state show, a, a, a Judd seven, seven, five. It was a, nice. a, it was a $5, $5 gold coin made out of nickel, only two in the world, which was pretty cool. That's so cool. Um, you know, but like, you know, it just, 
you know, it's just, it's just interesting, um, you know, to, to, to see the market where it's at. But like, for example, if you like those territorials, you could go create an Instagram right now that says territorial man. Um, and <laughs> territorial all you man. follow is hashtags, no people, yeah, just hashtags, uh, like hashtag territorial, hashtag, right. you know, Kellogg coin, hashtag, you know, uh, Robert Gray, hashtag California fractional. So you right. just start following all these extremely specific to you hashtags. And it's every true. time you open your Instagram, you're going to you see every it, yeah. coin on the planet that that someone posted right. with that hashtag. Yeah. So you're going to find it before any show, any group, right? Anyone knows yeah. to go on a group and post it. You're going to find it from anyone. From if that you know grandma found a coin in her basement and goes, "Oh wow, this is a you know ground zero, right? PCGS coin." Well, if you typed in you know you know, uh, ground zero hashtag coin, right. And someone hashtags that, right. You're going to find it, mm-hmm. right. If you, if you type in 17, 15 fleet under hashtag, right. You're going to get every, every post someone makes with a hashtag seventeen fifteen is going to pop up on your feed. Right. So, you know, a lot of people don't know that or don't use Instagram like yeah. that. It's, um, and I, I tell it them helps the cataloging, people, right. It's like well, you know, classifying, does, but, classifying and it, cataloging. Well, for example, like early on a, a long time ago, um, I, I made one just for Tone Morgans. Um, and, and I would find any and everyone posting one for sale, even if you're just a little coin dealer, like, and I didn't follow you, like, how would I ever know? Right. There, there's so many toned Morgan and toned oh, yeah. like groups on Facebook and discord and all this stuff. Well, and you know, toning is a huge all- thing. I mean, and especially it, on Instagram because it's yeah. very, it has that visual effect, you know, it pops. Absolutely. But like, how, wh- where's the one place you can go to that's going to bring all this information? Like people say you can go to dealers, helping dealers and all this stuff, but everyone that's already yeah. posting their stuff online is also hashtagging and posting it online. Yeah. So, you know, being able to go on Instagram and just following hashtags could tremendously help people um, in finding the niche products that they, they want to look for. Yeah. Coins of Instagram is a good one. Yeah. It is a great one, but the, the only problem is, is that's very broad, yeah. right? So sure. you're going to see anyone that posts with that. But if you just follow Kellogg, right, coins or Humbert coins or territorial coins or, right. you know, coins of, like, for example, I did, I'm brokering right now coins of the West. I have the whole collection, all 36 coins in the original bronze holder, Interesting. right? Like, 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 you know, I think we just brokered that for like $90,000, right. right? So like, but if you want something like that, like when I post it in a w- week or two, I'm going to put you know, coins of the West hashtag. I'm going to put California fractional hashtag. I'm going to put Alaskan uh, fractional hashtags. I'm going to put all these industry specific hashtags. What are the main hashtags for like uh, shipwreck stuff in Cobbs? Uh, 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 World money, um, uh, uh, Spanish gold, uh, shipwreck, loot. Um, It's kind of funny, but uh, uh, pirate, right? Um, (laughs) Right, Um, and, and, and we post a lot of them down there, uh, as well, but I would definitely say shipwreck, um, uh, loot, um, uh, gold cob, um, uh, escudo or, or real, um, eight escudo, um, uh, little stuff like that, right? The, the goal is to put your mindset and, 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 and the person that randomly has this coin, right? What are they going to look at and hashtag, right? World money, Spanish money, old money. Um, uh, escudos, uh, 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 a piece of eight, uh, treasure, 
um, you know, stuff like that. So those are the hashtags if you're looking for this kind of stuff that you want to follow right. um, because you, you, you want to be alerted the second someone posts a random coin that they just found with the hashtags that they're asking best offer, this is not like if you want to be the first one to find that coin, you're not going to find it if you don't follow them. So the only other way to find it is by hashtags. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I have premier coins and then I have a few other Instagrams that specialize in in those particular areas. That's interesting because the ones I've been following, I've been really behind on it. I'm like following generic, generic ones like rare coin coins of Instagram, stuff like that. Which is cool because like, if you want to grow your Instagram, right, you want very generic hashtags because you want to be able to like as many different people's posts as possible. So for example, if if you were just like, I'm going to extra follow coins of Instagram and stuff like that, or gold coins or PCGS coin or NGC coin and stuff like that, right. You're going to get a a large variety of posts from a large variety of people. So to go on every day, like their post, comment something cool on it with the hopes that, you know, out of a hundred, two may follow you back. Right. Um, you know, that would be the specific goal for that. Um, but the but people if, that are know, looking to collect a specific thing or buy something specific, they're going to, they're going to dial it down to more specific hashtag. Exactly. Uh, um, and, and that makes really sense. Cool. Makes perfect. Because you don't have to be in a gold group and you don't have to be premier or coins with 30,000 followers, um, to be able to have that reach. Right. Um, and as more and more kids and adults and stuff like that are getting on social media, posting their coins, adding proper hashtags and stuff like that. Um, you know, it makes it really easy for someone that has a niche to find those coins. If you typed in Pikes Peak gold, right? right. So hashtag Pikes Peak gold. Like, I don't know if there's a lot there, but even if there's 10, that's 10 people that posted something about Colorado Pikes Peak gold. Colorado those are the gold. people that know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, those are the hashtags that, you know, I follow and I'd recommend following right. um, because, you know, if a coin ever comes up in that, that aspect immediately, like, oh, this posted two minutes ago, DM me. And the way Instagram hashtag works is they'll even start showing you sponsors for stuff like that. So if you really, really start niching in one area on Instagram, on your buy Instagram or whatnot, right? Instagram, I mean, their algorithms will start showing you more stuff yeah, like they, that. They do the Exclu- work for you, right? Exactly. So, you know, and that's just like, I, I've probably bought and sold over a million dollars of coins just because of Instagram reels and, 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 and like when you go to that finding page. So it's not even yeah. hashtags that I'm following. It's not even people that I'm following. It's just I've liked and followed such a, a niche market that Instagram is bringing me the only other things in that market that exist. So I'm seeing the stuff that I may be missing, those smaller, better hashtags that I may be missing. And, and that's always good too, you know, because I'll be like, oh, how did I not see that coin? I look through their hashtags. I'm like, that's nothing I follow, but that's a good hashtag or two. Right. Um, let me add those to the ones that I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow those right now. Boom, done. Um, you know, so, um, you know, and that's how you grow that. Um, and, and that really can help someone specialize and niche into particular products. Very cool stuff, man. Well, this this is really exciting. It's it, I'm I'm happy that like you know companies like you are really putting effort in this stuff and trying to take it to the next level, man. Because that's that's what's going to need to happen. And uh, you know it's it's very cool to see. And you guys do a great job at what you do. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're big on being inclusive um, and, and as transparent as possible. Um, you know, and that's uh, always you know, the best. I I tell people too, just ask questions. Like I'm here. Yeah. Like. Use us as a resource, number one. Get familiar, learn the stuff, get prepared to do what you want to do. And then when you're ready, you you talk to someone, you let someone like us that help you that's knowledgeable, that knows what they're doing and then could guide you in the right direction. It's not going to yeah, steer it, you wrong, you know. 
Absolutely. And, and, and the, the best tip of advice is just if someone asks you a question, you don't know, just tell them, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to find out for you. Right. right. Give me a second. Like, Hey, I bought this book. I read it. And this is where I found the answer to your question. Right. right? And, 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 uh, you know, adults, collectors, astute collectors, um, you know, they, they, they really take very well to that. Yeah. Um, besides someone just spitting off because nine times, oh, 10, like you said, most collectors know more than the dealers. Yeah, so if you that, just start spitting out exactly. trash, right. A collector is no, no, right no, off the back and know you're full of it and, and not do business. That's with why you. I do a lot of referring. Like if someone comes to me and they want something specific and yeah. I, I don't really, that's not my area. I, I refer them to the person that I know that handles that. And, know, and the that best specializes. part about that is if you do that over a long course of time and you do create your other friends or other colleagues business, they usually always return the paper. Always. Yeah. Yeah. If they get someone that, that, you know, is looking for like Pikes Peaks over there. They send my way, you know, it works that way. Yeah, it's perfect. So I love it. Airs is a big thing. Like I know nothing about air. I mean, like that it's fascinating to me, but I don't know the people that collect it. I don't really know much about it. I don't, you know, so I, I, but we get it all the time. Like I get people calling me all the time about stuff like that. Some, sometimes it turns out to be genuine pieces, but most of the time it doesn't obviously, but. Still, I refer to the people that are experts in that, you know? Yeah, which is, and, and that's another thing why we get every coin graded because, like, even though I have some bit of knowledge, right? Uh, at least I like to think I do. Um, you know, at the end of the day, right? You never want to be the one that, that sells an unauthentic coin. Yeah, you, um, you, you never, can't know you, it all, that, you know? It's hard. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah. don't get me wrong, it does happen, but it won't happen if you always get your coins graded. Right. Right. Um, and, and as a dealer, you can never really shake that. Um, yeah. you know, once, once that gets out there that you, you've sold a fake coin or an unauthentic coin or whatnot, um, even if you do all your diligence correctly, you, you can easily have someone try to trash your name, which yeah, is, that, you know, that's why I just, uh, I, I don't mess around. I just only certify. Yeah. I'll, I have uh, I all my clients will get certified coins. Yeah. Not everything goes in is certified. Yeah. I don't care what it is. No, it's true. And they have accountability too. They, they, these grading companies are very good. They stand behind that. Yeah, they do. Uh, uh, very much so. I've so. seen them pay out, so I know. Oh, really? Well, yeah, <laughs> you can't beat that, right? I'd, who, I'm, who, what other industry has that? Think about it. You can't find that in art. You th- no. a, a go on a, a quote unquote art authenticator is not going to do that for you. No, they're, they're not going to back their product uh, and authenticate it, and and that's why it is so important getting them authenticated and and getting them certified and and, and going through that process and and always when if I go to PCGS, I'm always paying for a photo authentication. That's one reason why I love NGC because they've always had a precedent of taking a photo of every coin, no matter how crappy the photo may be, <laughs> it's there. Right. Um, you know, w- w- which is you know, that's the step into the future. Um, you know, that's what you need, uh, and that's what you want. Yeah. You're building a giant repository for coins too. It's cool. So how can we find you online, man? Well, tell us all the information we need to know. So, uh, I mean, obviously Instagram is our biggest route. We have, we almost, we're we're at 30.8 thousand followers on there. I think just about 19 on Facebook, but we're really, really active on Instagram. Um, That's our main goal. Um, If you look at our link there, you'll find a link to our eBay. Just tell people what what is your handle on uh, Instagram? Uh, so premier rare coins, that's our okay, handle. Okay. Um, you know, we're the only one you can't miss us. Our website is actually prc.gold. Uh, we actually own dot gold. So it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just go into your web browser, type in prc.gold and it pulls up our website right away. Um, we have over like 10 to like, uh, 
$12 million with the inventory currently right now. Um, you know, lots of BGs and fractionals um, uh, uh, that we get in a lot, but mainly pre-1933 gold and, and silver, um, you know, uh, 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 like double eagles. Um, I think we just got around like 250 different double eagles in. Um, so we do a lot of work um, uh, with building collections and bringing collections in. So PRC.gold is an easy way to find us, but Instagram is the best way to communicate with us, especially me directly. Uh, I answer 99% of all the messages um, through through Instagram. And then my, my GM, Robert, um, he's the one that manages a lot of the shipping and fulfillment. Um, awesome. And he's the one that just communicates with you when we do like live shows or auctions and stuff like that. Cool. Very good stuff, man. Well, Jeff, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. I'm, I'm really appreciative and I'm, I'm glad we got to make this happen. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, and I appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for creating the platform, you know, obviously spending your time, your money um, and investment and in getting all this, this is up and running and, and, and creating this platform for the numismatic community. I think that it's something that they're really going to appreciate in time. Um, and is very knowledgeable. Like I said, I have watched every one of your podcasts um, and, and I love them. So Thanks, thank you. Man. I, I appreciate it. I, I mean, I do it. I, I say I do it for, the, the coin community, I mean, I, I try to designate my time, even though it is very busy these days, you know, to do this. I don't, you know, I don't profit off of it. I do it for the, for the nature of uh, trying to help people out and broaden the coin industry. So, Absolutely. Well, if you need my help getting anyone else on here or recommend anybody, just hit me up and awesome. I'll shoot them all your way. <laughs> Will do. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Take care. Have a good one.